Persigni crucis de nemicis nostris, liber nos des nostri. In nomine Patris, sit fili et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Jesus, as we focus our attention on you, from the perspective of the topic of our conversation with you, which is sowing peace and joy, and if it's pertinent to us to create bright and cheerful homes, bright and cheerful environment, whether we have a home with a natural family or not, that we create that atmosphere of joy, that atmosphere of Nazareth. As we contemplate the Blessed Sacrament before us, the heart of this gathering, we realize that the Blessed Sacrament is not only in the incarnation of joy, Christ is the incarnation of everlasting life, but we have the true presence of everlasting life, the true presence of joy. Really present, though sacramentally, which does not detract from the reality of the presence of Christ. We went over the Catechism yesterday and briefly studied the Twelve Fruits of the Holy Spirit, Twelve Expressions of the Heart of Jesus, broken down to twelve aspects. Two of those twelve have special prominence in the Gospel. And it's the topic of our prayer, which is peace and joy. Joy a bit more, but peace and joy. In fact, peace is the one-word definition of Christ. If I'm not mistaken, one of the prophets, I think it's Micah, who predicts that the Messiah will be our peace. And St. Paul reiterates that and actually calls our Lord peace. And he's explicit about all the gifts of the Holy Spirit that emerge, some implicitly, others explicitly. But there's two fruits of the Holy Spirit that he promises to give us, and that is peace and joy. And that is explicitly mentioned, and we will mull over it, first read it, in that very close emotional encounter with his closest collaborators that we call the Last Supper. Our vocation is to draw people to the Lord. 
and our work of evangelization embarks upon a scope from giving a little experience of our Lord. It could be buying a pastry in a gas station and the way we look at the attendant and thank the attendant to giving direction to one of our close friends and leading that friend up the inclined plane so that friend commits themselves in a total way to Christ. So there's a whole array of ways of evangelizing. We work with people's freedom and their disposition. Freedom is very important because it's the mechanism to connect with God. So we evangelize, as the Holy Father says, by attraction, an encounter, accompaniment. Use the language of St. Josemira as well. Be sowers of peace and joy. Raise a little bit the spiritual temperature. Become friends, real friends. Friendship is an end in itself. It's obviously, it can never be instrumentalized. Even for something lofty, we cannot use someone, manipulate someone. But friendship is part of that accompaniment. And if that friend is open to that, and we hope as many as possible are, we accompany them and we lead them up the inclined plane. The inclined plane being a metaphor of self-gift, of deeds of love. As Augustine says, that you can never say enough when it comes to love. You say enough, then you go back. You regret. Now, we all have a whole array of temperaments. Our cheerfulness and our peace can't be canned or artificial or contrived or affected. It has to be real. And I've seen, I would say, four saints recognized by the church. And all four had their unique display of joy. All of them had that common denominator of joy. Let's say Mass for their community on the west side of Chicago, Mother Teresa's group, the Missionaries of Charity. And they uh, told me on the QT that, you know, certain date she was going to come and visit. Don't tell anybody. But since I've been saying Mass for them, they wanted me to meet her. So I was very excited. A thousand people knew about this secret. And I waited online to greet her. And ordinary is a quick exchange. Uh, wanted me to pray for her. I certainly wanted her to pray for me. But she had a radiant smile the whole time. It was almost mesmerizing. It was very attractive. You see the movies of St. Jose Maria. I mean, he's not giggling all the time. I mean, he becomes indignant. He becomes sorrowful. He laughs out loud. He cracks a joke. But again, the common thread is his joy. And his serenity got it. His 
One of his claims to fame is that we are children of God, we're loved, all things work out for the best, so be serene and confident. But he had an intense personality. Can-do personality. And then, and then blessed Alvaro, that very serene, steady Eddie, kind of laid back, constant joy, and it's not, well, this is something maybe I noticed. Well, I did notice it, but people would comment on the smile of Blessed Alvaro from many years back. We were very attracted to the smile. He had a smile. Always had this smile on faces. And he just exuded serenity. And, you know, now, you know, in St. John Paul, who also was a cheerful person, but I would say, you know, more mystical and contemplative, almost be contorted in his immersion in prayer. Seems like he was in another world when he was not on. Uh, when he was with somebody, he would light up. He's happy-go-lucky. Anytime he wasn't addressing someone, he seemed like he was in another world. Whatever our temperaments are, and I would say, well, I got a nervous temperament. Is that an obstacle? We could be peaceful and joyful even with a nervous temperament. This is a temperament. It could get whittled down. Accompanying that nervous temperament, there will be some element of peace and joy because that peace and joy our Lord reveals comes from Him. He gives it to us. It's part of the infused theological virtues. Special emphasis on charity. In the Sermon on the Mount, you say, I'm the light of the world. And in that Sermon on the Mount, you talk about, I can't put a bushel over this light that I am. And you also say that I'm salt. And you warn me that I could lose the saltness. You say also that I'm leaven. You also say that I'm branch. Jesus, you say that I participate in your light. I participate in your charity. And what is that bushel that could cover the light? It's lukewarmness. That's very effective bushel to cover the light. Where I'm just going through the motions. These are spiritual tasks. And there's no real searching for our Lord. We can't honestly say I'm seeking him. I'm getting things done, but I don't seek him. And I'm not eager Lord, we ask you for the grace to make us eager to keep growing in our discipleship, in our love for him. And so I'm kind of stagnant, kind of treading water. That's the bushel. We don't cover light with a bushel. And the Holy Father, in his exhortation on joy, 
He says that every good time is a, a good time to evangelize. There's no easy time. And he mentioned the early Christians, that that was an especially hard time. And it's difficult today as well. Very difficult, humanly speaking. Humanly speaking, the timing is off. Maybe we got to wait for a better time period where people are at least minimally open to the gospel message, and people are now. Many don't realize it. And these are good times because the world is saying this. They don't realize it. Quotation from the gospel, and St. John Paul develops this in his apostolic letter evangelizing in the new millennium called Novo Millennium Yunte, where he says the world is crying out. That exclamation of the Greek, perhaps Gentiles, who visited Jerusalem and they approached Jesus' secretaries. They had Greek names, Philip and Andrew. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now, I don't want to say a do-gooder. I don't want to meet someone who's only orthodox. I don't care about the facts. I don't know, I'm older. Some young people really know their faith. And they told me that they were quite frustrated with their roommate. Someone was arguing with his roommate. I said, why are you frustrated? Don't get into arguments. He said, well, I want to get into an argument because my roommate said, you're probably right, but I don't care. And, you know, he said, this is no fun. I mean, I want a little bit of a fight. I want a little bit of a debate. I'd rather lose the debate than have someone say, I don't care. I want to test my intellectual prowess. But people aren't interested in arguing the point. And they will even concede, well, maybe I'm right, but who cares? At the same time, these people who don't care, to use more of a trendy word, they all have issues. They know they have issues. We're not going to solve those issues. It could be family issues, gender issues, identity issues, all sorts of issues. Existential issues. And my goal is to show them our Lord. Because that is at the heart of this new evangelization. John Paul unveils it. In a way, it was unveiled on October 2nd, 1928, but now it's embraced in a more official way by the church. And John Paul said, this new evangelization consists in revealing the face of our Lord, the face of Jesus Christ. And that is my immediate goal, to reveal my personality with my flaws and my weaknesses, the peace and joy of Christ and in Forge, St. Jose Maria, in a little bit of a no-nonsense way, but a very encouraging way. 
don't write yourself off. I am not temperamentally, character-wise, someone who exudes peace and joy. St. Thomas Aquinas says that one of the essential acts of charity is joy. St. Josemaria says, no, 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 don't write yourself off. No, I'm kind of, uh, I'm, I have a waspish personality. Or, you know, if I was just, you know, if I was from Texas down, I would probably, I'd have more of an inclination for joy. Or I'm Germanic, or whatever label we want to give ourselves. St. Josemaria says, it's always a lack of piety. He said, it's not, not a lack of character. He said, you just lack piety. These are sound bites, but this is theological content. Because basically the Last Supper is the paradigm of a workshop to launch out into the deep, into a hostile, hedonistic world. And our Lord doesn't really dwell on the obstacles. He dwells on the personal relationship his collaborators must have with him. For the first time, all these words are for the first time, he talks about what it really means to be a light. What, is, what does it mean to be the light of the world? Okay, light of the world. I think we can almost reduce it as someone reflecting the peace of Christ and the joy of Christ, which you can't help it. That's attractive. I mean, everybody has a free will. I mean, if they put the Son of God on the cross, they'll reject our flawed peace and joy. But in itself, that's attractive. You don't debate that. And that's what people are looking for. I remember many years ago, this Jewish barber would come to our house, he was retired, and, and cut hair. And so everybody would sign up, and he'd spend a few hours there cutting hair. And sometimes he would come and just sit in the living room. Why did he come? Because he said, I want to see, I want to see smiling faces. I like to see smiling faces. He was not a smiler. He had a hard life. Since he couldn't be cheerful, he figured... Let me just watch you guys be cheerful. It was sort of sad. He was kind of honest. He liked it. He said, I feel I'm part of this family, and you're my family. So he, he would come. You should be known as my disciples by your love. Okay, let's, let's use another word. By one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Peace. Take a very spiritual, educated guess. Am I known for my peace and joy? And without getting discouraged, but not being afraid either. No, I'm, I'm not known for that. I probably could honestly say I'm not lifting spirits. Do something about it. And I say that to me. That's unacceptable. Do something about it. And we can't. We have that faith that we can. And what do we do about it? Well... Let's read from the way. You asked, are, are you unhappy? 
thinks there must be an obstacle between God and me, you will seldom be wrong. What is this obstacle? Well, let's just read from our Lord's Last Supper words. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Our Lord is saying, don't just deal with me, live in me. Live in my love. He is love. Live in me. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Now, important that when we read about Jesus' commandments, we see him as his commandments. If you keep my commandments, he is his own commandments, his persona. He says, keep them. And how do I keep them? Well, to keep, I need to know. I need to learn. And what does this keeping mean? I think we could substitute the word keep. Contemplate, meditate. Meditate on me. And our Lord says earlier, a couple of times in the Eucharistic discourse, and then when the devil tempts him to turn stones into bread, that man does, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. He is the Word. And His words He reveals in His Eucharistic discourse are spirit and life, joy and peace, my words. And we need to live off the bread and the Word, the Eucharist and the Word. It's piety. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, I'm going to give you my joy. That's the light. You are the light of the world. You are my joy. And you are my peace. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Our Lord says, Peace I leave you, we pray at Mass. Peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you? He gives us his peace. We turn our attention to our Lord. We ask him, help me make some resolutions. And what's the, what's, what's the substance of all this? It's piety. Is it everything? No. Piety. And maybe the analogy we could use before we end is, all right, we're all... We all have our vocations, our callings to be saints. And we can just imagine ourselves as a nice car with all sorts of perks in it. And the joy could be compared to actually moving. Without gas, it doesn't move. And the gas comes from, as St. Paul says, put on Jesus Christ, keep my commandments. Be in his presence. Abide in my love. Be in me. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And the opposite holds as well. Well, we go to the Blessed Mother now and end our prayer. 
Mary does disclose her inner self with the Magnificat. And what does she say about her inner self? I rejoice in God my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord. And what's her first apostolic move? When she visits her cousin Elizabeth, what does Elizabeth say? That she has been filled with joy. She transmitted joy. Mary, pray for us and help us convert to that fact that my piety is intimately linked with joy and peace. And that is at the heart of being a light of the world. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.